timeouts were also a large part of to take a timeout. Welcome into episode 45 of Out of Timeouts. Uh, it's been a while, but we are back, and by we, I mean me, because Caleb moved, and so I'm bringing in a guest this week, and this week we've got Damon Helgevold of KSIB Radio. Damon, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate you uh, having me on here, Carter. It's uh, I listen to your guys' show quite a bit, so it's kind of interesting to be on this end of it now. Yeah, well, I'm, I apologize for the break, as I do to the other listeners. Uh, just been a, a little chaotic, um, having taken over things as the sports editor at the, the newspaper myself, but glad we could get it started off, and glad you reached out, because uh, that gave me kind of a little extra push to, to get things rolling again, and I knew I'd wanted to. It was just... Sometimes uh, Wednesdays are are a little tricky. So, and it, it, it's cool because you you know you listen to your guys' show and you talk not only about just these the local area, but you kind of get back to to your guys' roots together. So this is it's something new. It's uh, it's exciting, and and I'm glad you're able to get back to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm ready to get going here. If you are. We'll start on the local end of things with the Creston boys basketball team. They just picked up their first win uh, last night, uh, as I said, today being Wednesday, so they won on Tuesday. Yep, beat Shannon Doa to start to get their first win of the year. 19 points from Kale Krawlick. I believe that's his second 19-point performance in a row. And obviously with them being on the road, uh, neither of us got to see it, but we did get to see that home opener against Bondurant Farrar that came down to the wire. Damon, I know you and I talked afterwards about the way that game finished. Uh, you know, what, what were your main takeaways here now sitting on uh, a couple days later? Um, you know, it, it's interesting because you sit back and you get the opportunity to kind of process exactly what those uh, what that game was like. And, and you know, we talked after the, after the game nonetheless, and, and obviously – it could have gone one way or another as far as, you know, the officiating side of things go, and, and I'm sure we can get into that at a different time. But, man, it uh, it, it was uh, – I think Coach Schaefer summed it up best at the end of the game uh, when we had the opportunity and, and they did the fundamentals when they needed to and Crescent was unfortunately unable to do the fundamentals when they needed to. And I think that's just the, uh, the growing process. You know, you look at Crescent's lineup, especially their – starting five and you see two sophomores and you see uh, a senior and Kylan out there and and, and it just uh, it, it's a lot of youth you're still learning it's amazing to think that especially considering we saw guys like Brance Baker and Kale Krolick a lot last year yeah and you're seeing them a lot again this year um, even as sophomores I know a lot of coaches just kind of across the board whether it be football basketball or, or what other sport have talked about this sophomore class for Creston and uh, I guess the potential it has and what they've they've seen in it. Um, and another another thing I would would keep in mind for those of you who haven't gotten the chance to see Creston or you know maybe uh, don't view quick stats as often as I know Damon and I probably do. But uh, free throw shooting <laughs> has been a little bit of a an issue here for them to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they went five of thirteen last night after shooting fifty percent and less than fifty percent in their their first two games. So that'll be something to watch moving forward. Um, but they got 10 points out of Evan Bruce, including three three-pointers against Shannon Doe. I don't think he had seen the floor a whole lot here to start the season, so maybe he becomes a, a more uh, commonplace uh, for, for the Panthers. 
most likely, you know, he's he's listed on just when you look at the overall team uh, team stats, and, and he's, I believe, uh, eighth down on the list. But uh, they need some of those kind of guys. They need a guy like an Evan Bruce to step up, like a Clayton Stafford to step up, because, you know, Kylan's not going to be there the entire time. Kale's not going to be there the entire time. Brance isn't going to be there the entire time. You can go down the list, and they need some of those kind of guys to step up have some big games, hit some shots, get a little bit of confidence. And and Evan Bruce is one of those guys. The other other that comes to mind is Colby Berg. We saw what he could do in the season opener. And uh, and I think if they can, can sustain some of that consistently, they could, uh, could be really surprising to some teams, especially later on in the year when they get the system figured out, when they get the defensive alignments figured out. Yeah, and it alluded to your point perfectly with the Bondurant Ferrar game. I mean, you saw Brance and Kale, or excuse me, Brance and Kylan both both in foul trouble. Both ended up fouling out, and uh, once once they were out of the game, things really swung in the favor of the Blue Jays. Uh, and Creston kind of had some struggles figuring figuring things out on their end, both on the offensive and defensive sides. Another name that you've seen, you know, here in the first couple games is Jeffrey. Dillenberg uh, seems to be a nice little weapon from the outside, as is you know uh, point guard Colby Berg. Uh, so curious to see how his role progresses throughout the rest of the season. But let's go ahead and flip over to the girls' side of things. The Panther girls, I believe, have played three really good teams to start the year. Um, none of them are you know none of them were easy games to get things going. They sit at one and two with an opening win over Winterset. They thumped Winterset to start the year, and then back-to-back losses on the road to Glenwood and Shenandoah. Damon, what, what do you think their their biggest keys are going to be for this season? Uh, for the girls, it's, it's the post-presence. I think we've seen it so far this year. Um, you've got Sam Dunphy and, and Kelsey Fields kind of leading the team underneath. You're obviously going to have uh, Brielle Baker, as, as many teams in the Hawkeye 10 know, just as well as you and I know uh, exactly, but, but Brielle's going to bring to the table every single night. But, but Kelsey Fields, Sam Dunphy, both of them sophomores, both of them had a year of experience a season ago. And their their post presence this season is going to be big because I don't remember or recall a time when Creston had two bigs that they could put down there at the same time, let alone just one. Uh, having two of them is, is huge, and both of them being effective. Uh, I believe uh, Sam went off for 13 in, in the Shenandoah game last night, and uh, and Kelsey had 19, and they were the top two leading scorers. They're going to need the, that post presence all year long. And, uh, and and you look at like uh, when they played winter set and thumped winter set like you said uh, that's a talented winter set team I have the opportunity of talking to coach darling from winter set quite often and and uh, actually talked to him today and he said that what they've what they've come to the realization on is is they've still got a lot of young girls out on the floor and he said, but but it's it's no excuse. And I think that's the same thing for Coach Nybauer is, is they've got a lot of young girls on the floor, but that's no excuse for what they're wanting to do. And, and they've been doing it pretty well here early. Yeah, and first-year Coach Nybauer at that. Uh, for those of you who've only seen his name in print, it is Nybauer, uh, not pronounced another way. <laughs> I knew I wasn't sure about that when, uh, when I first talked to him. I- my first question to him was was that exact thing. I was like, "Is how do you, how do you pronounce it?" And he's like, "Don't feel feel bad. You're not the only person to ask that." 
Yep, I did the same thing. That was the first question that, that came from my end of the, the phone as well. Uh, one other thing I'd, I'd note with, with Shenandoah, and I'm sure this won't be won't be too uncommon, and you pretty much touched on it with how important that post-presence is, is teams are going to try to take away Brielle Baker. They've seen what she can do over the years. They've seen her ability to, to shoot the basketball and what she's capable of scoring. And uh, another interesting thing from talking to Nybauer last night about the loss to Shenandoah is Logan Hughes, who I know Panther fans are – Probably uh, can't wait to see her graduate because she just <laughs> does so, so much damage across the board in every sport. She had 31, but Nybauer wasn't displeased with uh, Brielle's defensive effort. He said, you know, I you know, I don't think I've ever said this before, but for somebody to get score 31 points and me still be happy with how we played defense on her, uh, I was. So so just something to note there. And uh, obviously, you know, with, with the youth, youth in the post, it'll be, be just trying to keep them out of foul trouble, making sure they can stay on the floor as much as possible. Uh, over to the Clark side of things, Damon, I'll kind of let you lead this one because I have not gotten a chance to see them yet. I will be out there Friday. I did catch a practice um, real briefly last week, but uh, on the boys' side, what do you what do you think the, the expectations are and what do you think the, the goals are for this season? Well, you, you come into the year – with as many seniors as we did uh, uh, this year, I say we because for those who don't know that, I I am an assistant coach on that uh, basketball team, so I kind of have a little bit more of an insight than than some. But uh, when when you look at what the what the Indians have this year, coming back from a season ago. Um, it, it, it really returns almost every single person, returns the top two scorers. Uh, what we lose in Byron Rivera uh, is gained in the return of Connor Deutsch after his injury. So you get that back and forth with those guys coming back, and and then you add in a couple other pieces. Uh, those freshmen become a, become sophomores. Those sophomores become juniors, and, and it's – you know, it hasn't gotten off to the start that, that we would have wanted. I can guarantee you that. But the difference is in those two games that we started last year against Sheraton and against Knoxville, we weren't anywhere near striking distance uh, last night going to Knoxville or tied at halftime with them. And it's because of a three-pointer at the buzzer that they tie it up at halftime. So we take a, a three-point lead into the locker room and we come out flat to start the third quarter. Um same thing that happened against Sheraton. We were down by, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was, in fact, I think we were up against Sheraton at halftime uh, by a couple and gave up a three at the buzzer to get down by two going, or get up by two by going into the locker room. And then the third quarter, we come out a little bit flat and they kind of take over, take over the reins. I think it's been the same story so far this whole year is is we've got to play four full quarters instead of just three and uh and we've been able to to work on that and i think that's what we're going to do next is is trying to work on finishing a game and and why not let's bring probably the conference favorite to town on friday night and see what we can do yeah i'm excited to catch that one i'll be in attendance there for that one, I'm sure you as an assistant coach will be there uh, if you want to want to maintain yeah. those duties <laughs> I, I guess I, I guess I better make plans to be there. I, I've been told I, I have an important job to do there, so I guess I better go. <laughs> the girls will also be playing that day against Ed, Eddiesville, Blakesburg, Fremont as well. They've had an interesting start to the year. I mean, they're 2-2, two and two, but their two losses are to two ranked opponents in uh, 2A and 4A, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yes, and and the crazy thing about the the first loss that they had against Martinsdale, I we had uh, had a practice and then we were able to go watch that game afterwards and and for three and a half quarters of that game, Clark was leading and in fact I think we were up by fourteen at halftime or ten or fourteen at halftime, and Martinsdale just hung in there, hung in there, and and ultimately got the win. It's it's crazy because um, Martinsdale is isn't very big by any means, but uh, yeah, for for Clark it's just been a couple of couple of lapses late and uh, come from behind win at Sher- against Sheraton at home was was big to get the first home win, and then uh, last night I didn't get to catch much of last night contest with Knoxville but um, just a lot of lot of uh, overmatching I think was Knoxville in that game but uh, for for Clark's girls all year it's it's like you said it's a, a tale of tale of a different game each and every night it's kind of like a roller coaster ride yeah and they've got four or they've got at least four seniors let me let me double check that yeah four seniors who who will be leading the way and seeing significant minutes in Sarah Davis Ashlyn Oler Megan Linskins and Des Stubbe and girls that have been a part of the program for for quite a while um so curious to see what the lady indians do uh once once conference play starts because obviously uh you know losing to a a 4a school on by by 19 isn't the best uh indicator of your season just knowing that you know 4a 4a schools usually are bringing in bringing in some talent that uh isn't available at other levels yeah absolutely and and you make a good point too i think yeah, and, and and you know the fact that you you bring up the four A side of it and being able to play uh play in Knoxville like that, like you said, they they bring in some some different talent. They have a little bit of a different talent pool that they can uh, get from. But but for us and for for Krista and and for Coach Earhart, uh, Coach Subert and Coach Earhart, I think what they've they've come to the realization with is is their team is pretty darn talented and they've got a a very solid group uh, a good core of seniors and you mentioned all four of them Um, you'll hear the names Linskins and Stubbe you'll see the names Linskins and Stubbe for the Clark girls quite a bit this year just because uh, that that's who the offense will run through 95 percent of the time they will go through those two uh, girls and rightfully so they're the ones that can get the job done they're the, the top ball handlers on the team and and you'll see a lot of different faces that are are not seniors either you'll see a, a Caitlin Hall's band who's 58 and and playing in the post you'll see a, a Kaya Dunbar who's just as scrappy as Ashlyn Ollard is so it's fun to watch this team because of of where they're able to to maneuver on the floor they're able to to stay uh, stay calm when in big situations and and that showed on on li- last Friday when they played uh, Sheraton yeah, so we'll see. I'll get another get a chance to see what they look like in game action here on Friday again. But moving over to the uh, Pride of Iowa boys side and see how quickly we can get through this. We're making pretty good time so far talking about just two <laughs> schools. So once we get into the the bulk of coverage area teams here, we'll see see how we we do it uh, so far. But uh, you and I both, you know, in our rundown, we're just like Mount Air looks good to start the year. <laughs> yes, I saw them saw them. Uh, take care of Southwest Valley pretty pretty nicely. I know Southwest Valley lost a huge senior class and has has some injuries that are that are hampering them already this year and will throughout the year because those kids will, may miss the entire season if not a good chunk of it. Um, but the Raiders, the Raiders aren't messing around to start the year and it's uh it's showing. 
no by by no means are they ready to to mess around and and you know the coaching side of me is is like I'm kind of glad we didn't play Mount Air to start off the season just because uh, th- that's a good team that, that Coach Ruggles has. Uh, Coach Brett Ruggles has got an outstanding squad of guys, um, very talented. They showed last year what they could do. And, and, and if you ask Coach Ruggles, he thinks that they might have even been a year ahead of where they needed to be. But uh, for his sake, <laughs> congratulations because they've got a solid team and, and they look good early on doing it. They've uh, come out, I think, I believe uh, Dawson Frost had 19 last night, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and and really got things going. Mount Air's looking really good early. Yeah, John Shields had 22 and 12, I believe, against Southwest Valley and yes. just dominated the offensive glass. Um, and they've, they're they're tall across the board. Um, they, have, they have a lot of height there, and that's something they're definitely going to be taking advantage of throughout the rest of the season. Very much so. That's the other thing is is you don't look at it, you know, at first glance, but uh, uh, seeing the height that they have, I, I think mo- all of their starters are over six foot, and uh, and all of them know what to do with the ball when they get it in their hands, and and they're going to create some mismatches for teams. Um, you know, one of the teams that we'll talk about here in a little bit is Martinsdale. I think that one's going to be one of their their toughest challenges as far as matchup wise goes, because uh, if if you know Martinsdale, you know Gavin, and and there's another one, uh, believe it or not. So. Um, <laughs> I think they'll be that'll be interesting to see what Mount Air does uh, trying to defend that that conference title. Yeah, I was uh, I had to pull up Martinsdale's quick stats because I didn't want to refer to him as Brady Gavin's younger brother. It is Isaac Gavin, uh, who yes. is six eight, and uh, from everything I've heard, is is almost as talented, if not just as talented, as his older brother, and has uh, two years to uh, prove us all wrong in that sense. It looks like, as you said, Martinsdale, Mount Air, and uh, you can throw Bedford into that mix as well as teams mm-hmm. that are that are probably going to be the the top three squads on the boys side in the POI. Well, you you bring up Isaac Gavin, and and I can tell you firsthand from having to uh, coach against him a season ago, he is uh, just about as everybody as good as Brady uh, was, and and I think that he'll continue to grow as a basketball player. Uh, you bring up Bedford, and that that's an interesting team uh, that Frank Seifert's got. Boy, do they've got uh, uh, some talented players in in Brennan Seifert, uh, Cooper Nally, if they when they need uh, big. Size guys, they're an interesting ball club to watch, and I think uh, you know we're sitting here talking about Mount Air and Martinsdale probably being the top two teams. That team there could uh, could cause some havoc in what what we see. And last year we saw a big tiebreaker at the top, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again. Yeah, and keep an eye out for a Bedford Mount Air matchup to start the 2019 portion of the season on January 4th, that Friday. Uh, maybe get a look at Bedford against Nottoway Valley um, towards the end of December. I know uh, the CNA's new sports reporter, Tyler He too got to see what Bedford was capable of against Lennox. And I know Lennox has once again got a, a, a team that they're still just kind of trying to put the pieces together along with some of those other schools in the, the POI, such as you know East Union. and Nottoway Valley, though, uh, before I digress into the girls' girl side of things Nottoway Valley I think is has kind of surprised some people and I know that was something that you had you had mentioned specifically 
and uh, it's uh, <laughs> that team is is fun to fun to watch. You know, Coach Burmeister, Coach B. You can't ever count that guy out. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter if it is is basketball, if it's track, if it's cross country. You think he's lost something, and he finds a way to gain it. You talk with a bunch of the other coaches from the uh, from the area, and you'll you'll hear uh, hear us talking to you know Coach Ruggles. You'll talk to to Coach Rankin up at I thirty five. You'll talk to anybody, and and they'll be like, that's the model we want to follow is what Coach B has said at, at Nottoway Valley, and, and certainly he's done done wonders. That team is off to another good start, and and they're talented. Boy, let me tell you one thing. They can uh, they can shoot the ball with the best of them, and, and they've got some size too. Yeah, and I know that was something Coach B had really, really wanted to uh, last year coming into this year. It was something that, you know, he – talking to him all throughout last year just that uh team was kind of kind of one year away from from you know really really figuring things out and he mentioned how young they were last year so curious what his thoughts are about the Wolverines moving forward onto the girls side let's just stick with Nottoway Valley the the girls are off to a 4-0 start under uh first year head coach Brian Eisbach I hope I said his last name right uh, and they play the pretty much the same style of basketball they they've been playing. Uh, you know, not a ton of height there, but uh, we know we know Nottoway Valley to be a, a cross country school, and they they get out and run. Yes, they do, and you did get uh, Coach Icebox name correct. That's uh, there's there's a one gold star for you on the day, <laughs> but but when you when you look at Nottoway Valley girls team, it's it's fun because they haven't changed really anything i think maybe there's a couple of of defensive schemes i think that they've decided to go with differently but offensively it's the same thing get out if we can get out in front of the other team uh have fun catching us because it's not going to happen and they've they've done a fantastic job coach icebox figured something out that with that group and and you know when you have probably i would say 11 to 12 girls that you could play any mix match of way any single night for him um that's a coaching uh blessing i'll tell you that that's fun to have in your back pocket is knowing that you've got someone like uh, you've got someone like a uh alexi shike that can get something done or or you need to to go big you can get inside to uh, uh to Alyssa davis it's just it, that team is got so many different ways of scoring the basketball that it's unbelievable. But the scoring part of it doesn't even surprise me near as much as what they've done defensively. And that defense uh, that that Coach Icebox brought his uh, is outstanding. Yeah, and you uh, pretty much made my na- next point. I just kind of tie them together. Uh, the the defense is it plays so well partly because they can be aggressive because they've got eleven or twelve kids they can run out on the floor. So foul trouble is not necessarily really ever a concern. I mean, I'm sure there'll be points where where it will be if everybody fouls out, but for the most part, I mean, they they can if you can run 11, 12 people deep, it doesn't really matter if you have to sit sit one or two uh, for foul trouble, and that's that's something right. that's a big big advantage for them. Uh, moving kind of just down the list of teams in the POI, I know I got to see a thrilling game between Southwest Valley and Mount Air that went into double overtime last Friday, and boy oh boy, uh, I mean. That was that was something. Mount Air looked really good to start the game. They kind of had Southwest Valley's number, and uh, the Raider Raiderettes just couldn't really put Southwest Valley away. And Southwest Valley just hung around, and 
lo and behold, Timberwolves get their just their second lead of the game late in the fourth quarter, able to tie it up, send it into OT. Late in OT1, down four, Morgan Shuey, who, of course, had just signed to play college basketball earlier that week, hits a three-pointer, gets fouled, drills the free throw, and then goes on to score you know, six or seven points in the second overtime, get a couple of key assists, and the Timberwolves pull out a 65-51 win, or 61-55 win, excuse me. Uh, what a game that was, and I'm really curious to see where those two teams go from from there because it's super early. It's definitely not a, a season-defining game by any means, but two things that the two coaches had very different takeaways from. Uh, so I'm super curious to see what the Wolverines and the Timberwolves look like moving forward. And, you know, Nottoway Valley turned around and beat Southwest Valley here earlier this week. So, uh, excuse yeah. me, that was – yeah, earlier this week, yeah, so – uh, yep. I think that the middle of the POI uh, on the girls' side, which you know isn't uncommon, maybe maybe pretty topsy turvy, and we might see a a lot of uh, victories over over each other. Well, well, that's one thing I want to ask you too. You you obviously got to see that Southwest Valley Mount Air game, but what what was your biggest takeaway from both of those teams from that night? Do you, do you think that there's uh, something in the works that they might be able to challenge the top two teams? There's definitely a possibility. Southwest Valley has height um, in, you know, in Gentry Schaefer. Um, they've got a sophomore in Mara Larson who um, had a little bit of issues around the basket, but I think that that could just be a, a one night thing. Uh, obviously, haven't gotten to see a lot of her, but there is a lot of confidence in her ability, both from from the senior leadership. You know, I talked to Morgan Shuey afterwards, and she she spoke very highly of her. They've also got Hayden, you know, and Lexi Hare and Kaylee Myers. Um, you see it on the volleyball floor, and so it's something that they definitely can scare pretty much anybody. I think on any any given night, and uh, Mount Air, I think it's just a matter of putting everything together. Uh, it's it's early on in the season. Uh, Sam Stewart has proved she is capable of pretty much doing anything um when she gets out in transition there's nobody's gonna catch her that's that's the one thing you'll you'll notice quick very quickly with the Raiders is once their defense pokes a ball loose Sam Stewart's out running and then uh they're just gonna try to throw it throw it over the top to her uh, and then I think it's just a matter of kind of finding the secondary score I know Kirsten Klomhaus has been that in the past she may not have had quite the start she was looking for but did score 14 points I believe in their first win over Lennox uh, from earlier this week. She did, yeah. She had 14 points on 6 of 13 shooting, so I think it was only a matter of time before she comes around, and they, they kind of figure out some other pieces. I know uh, Thad said, Thad Streit said, Mount Air's head coach said that uh, he thought their defense had been playing well. It was just a matter of kind of figuring out the offensive system, and uh, obviously they've got plenty of time to do that. So I think both of those teams can, can definitely put a scare in, into teams moving forward. Well, and you, you say that too, and I think it was uh, similar to last year for Mount Air, where they kind of got off to that little bit of a slow start, and then and then really picked up in the middle of the middle of the season, and, and you could see what they did, made it all the way to a, a regional final, and and rounded out with a a, a tough loss to a tough trainer team but but yeah they they i think uh, could be interesting and, and southwest valley um it doesn't matter what sport we talk about with them on their girls side with this group of girls that they've got in right now uh they don't go away by any means easily no no they do not and that's that's something you'll you'll see uh and that seems to be a pretty common trait with just the the pride of iowa schools in the the news advertiser coverage area i mean 
you see Southwest Valley, and I hate to keep going back to a fall sport, but in volleyball, you know, beat some of these teams uh, consecutively throughout the regular season, and then they get caught by, you know, Nottoway Valley in the postseason, and, you know, Mount Air hangs around, hangs around, and then they surprise somebody. So, like I said, very curious to see what it looks like moving forward. Having said that, uh, we do also cover Central Decatur for the Osceola newspaper, and uh, that that team is probably looking for some uh, revenge from last year, having made it to the, the state semifinals, and I can only imagine they've got one thing on their mind, and uh, they're not going to let any, any POI team hang around with them if they had their way. I, I think you're 100% correct. I couldn't agree more with that statement because of of what they have returning because of the fact that like you said they made it to the state semifinals a year ago and they lost to a very good team in Newell Fonda because they are up a class this year they have something to prove I think that this if if Central Decatur is gonna make something out of this season they're gonna have to make a statement to to you and me and everybody else in conference play that nobody is gonna to hang around with them yeah and they proved that early on against east union leading 53 to 5 at half um, they will open up with martinsdale who is the other ranked girls team in the poi uh on january 4th to start the 2019 uh portion of the season so definitely a score or a uh, a game to keep an eye on there yeah, and, and do you think do you think in that game specifically, uh, when when those two teams get together, what I guess not what do you think, but where do you think that game's gonna gonna go? What do you think is gonna be the difference maker in that game? Well, I'm curious to see. I, I, there's always and it, this ex, extends more than just through the high school level. But when you take a take a significant break in time, it's just always a matter of what a team's gonna look like after you know taking two weeks off and maybe with practice they won't take necessarily two weeks off but uh st- it, I think it's it's kind of up in the air I'm I'd be curious to see what it looks like but if I had to you know make a prediction right now I think that's that's a uh, central decatur central decatur's game to lose I mean they're not I don't think I don't think they're gonna mess around against anybody like I said earlier and uh I, I envision yeah, I, that I, being another cardinal win I agree I agree well, that's pretty much all we got as far as, uh, you know, area basketball. I know uh, still got wrestling and bowling I will get to in the next edition of Out of Timeouts. Catch you up there. But uh, college football playoff was announced on Sunday morning. Actually, surprisingly early Sunday morning. I was not ready for that. Um, I thought it was going to be a, a Sunday night type of deal. Uh, Damon, what are, you, what are your kind of thoughts on, on how that went? And were you surprised at all with the way the committee decided to go? Was I surprised with the top three teams? Not a chance. Those those three are probably the best three in in college football by far. Um, I think I think Alabama is undisputed number one, and then you've got Clemson, who's probably a step below them. And then Notre Dame's kind of the wild card in that, just because of, of conference reasoning sake. You know, you you're in Alabama, and you have to play um, you have to play a team that's that might be six and and six, or play a team that's five and seven that doesn't have much of a hope to get into the conference, but all of a sudden they're playing the top rated team on national television and they're going to start coming out. So I think Notre Dame in that sense uh, gets, gets by on a pass, but that's a, that's a topic we can, we can hit on in a little bit, but 
I think uh, I think number four, it was it was pretty obvious. I think Georgia deservedly uh, want uh, should have gotten in. Um, I think they are one of the best teams in in college football, as the committee shows. And and I'm not saying that because I like the Big Twelve being an Iowa State fan or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is, we just saw what Georgia and Alabama did. We would have seen it again. And I don't think that that is good for for the committee i don't think that's good for college football and i don't think that's good for for our jobs as as being in the media as well you look at that game and it's going to be the same story it might have a different score might have a different outcome but but the fact that we just saw it the same storylines are going to be played again for a month now until that game gets played yeah, I was joking with people referencing the Alabama LSU uh, season. I want to say that was 2011, but I could be could I've... be wrong. Where you know, <laughs> it's a good game in the regular season, or and then it's uh, not in the the exactly. <laughs> for the national title. And, and the other thing is, you give Nick Saban a, a whole month to prepare for a team, and it's it's over. You don't have much of a chance against Nick Saban. doesn't matter if you've played him one time in the last 50 years or you've played him one time in the last 50 days. If you give that guy give that guy 30 full days to prepare for a team, uh, he's just going to come out and find ways to uh, to get something implemented. And, and, and Nick Saban's just one of those guys that is is found ways to get the job done for years. Yeah, and you mentioned Nick Saban. Uh, Alabama was not the undisputed number one, according to Nick Saban. He had them at number two in his coaches' poll. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that kind of funny. That, that to me is, is I don't know if that was more of a motivational factor for his team or if or what, but that's kind of kind of odd. When I did see that come out the other day, that's funny. Yeah, Mike Leach also had Washington State at five. So I mean, who knows what yeah, those there, coaches? There polls. you go. Yeah, and Mike Leach also he also left Iowa State out of the top twenty-five too. So that's a different story. <laughs> well, you know, Alabama, Oklahoma. Do you think Oklahoma's offense can keep up with Alabama's defense? Yes, I do. I think if there is one team in the Final Four that can give Alabama a run for their money it's going to be going to be Kyler Murray and Oklahoma uh, just because you can't win games without scoring points you can win games by stopping teams and, and doing all that but if you can't put the ball in the end zone or put the ball through the goalpost you're not going to win anything and you're not going to win a game and I think I think Oklahoma is made to uh, to put up quite a few points um I think this will be be a testament to what the committee's decision came down to, but I think Kyler Murray and I think that Oklahoma offense can can easily put up the points. And I think um, I told somebody the other day, and I don't remember who it was, but I said if Alabama wins the game against Oklahoma, then Alabama will win the national title. But I think if Oklahoma wins, whoever on the other side uh, will come through and win the national title. Yeah, people are so quick to say, well, Oklahoma's not going to be able to stop Alabama. I think people have a, a nice stereotype of Big 12 defenses, and i just like to point out that they're still big time, major D1 athletes. I think exactly. the Big 12 offenses are just so far ahead of the game that it, it makes Big 12 defenses look bad. We're still talking about, you know, 
not we're not talking about mid-major defenses which are which don't get me wrong i love my mid-major football but uh (laughs) (laughs) i mean oklahoma's defense you know just because they're giving up 40 points a game and that may not be statistically accurate but people people like to think that way i don't think uh defense is nearly as bad as people make it out to be um but also i think alabama's offense is is just as good as people make it out to be uh curious to see the health of of tua moving forward i imagine he will not be uh a question mark by the time that game rolls around uh but on the flip side what do you what are your kind of thoughts on uh clemson notre dame and uh does notre dame stand a chance i guess is the better question um I guess in in a, a different see that game is being played in in uh, Miami. Am I correct on that? Uh, I am honestly not sure. Let's hit the Google machine here real quickly. I'm pretty sure it's being played in Florida at Miami for the Orange Bowl. But uh, I guess the other the, the what stands out in that is if if Notre Dame wants to stand a chance. They're going to have to come out and be probably more prepared than any other game that they have played underneath of Brian Kelly. And I think that is the one thing that has stood out to me about Notre Dame in past years is when they play a bowl game or they play in a title game underneath Brian Kelly, it they come out a little bit flat. They come out slow and, and don't get started right away. Um, Clemson, on the other hand, Dabo's been there and done that. Dabo Sweeney's been there, done that. And a lot of those players have been there, done that. And I think uh, I think Clemson wins this game pretty handedly, to be honest with you. It is in Jerry World. It is the Cotton Bowl. It's being played okay. in Dallas, Texas. So not quite okay. as big of a home, home field advantage for Clemson, but I don't doubt those fans will still turn up in droves for that game uh i'm i'm with you i i i still remember coming home uh for that alabama notre dame national championship and i was about five minutes late and it was already 14 nothing and i just looked at my dad who is an alumni of notre dame and he's just like this is not good and it wasn't it wasn't wasn't good so uh i i curious to see what notre dame can can bring to the table but i i don't know i that that Clemson defensive front is, uh, I think, all four D linemen were named to first team preseason All ACC. Uh, it it yeah. was the the it was the first team All Conference uh, line <laughs> in the preseason. So uh, Clemson's not Clemson is no no small test, and I I I definitely think Clemson is is the heavy favorite. I don't know what Vegas says the exact spread is, but uh, I I think uh, Notre Dame is definitely going to be fighting an uphill battle there. But Damon, now that we are almost forty minutes deep here, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. If you had to call it now, who is your national champion in college football? My national champion in college football, uh, just just going off of of pure numbers from what I've seen this year, and uh, assuming that Tua is healthy, it's going to be Alabama, and I don't think it's close. Um, you know, they open as like a 20-point favorite or 14-point favorite over over Oklahoma. I think if they get through that game and uh, get to whomever's on the other side, I think they win it handily. And uh, I think Alabama will come through and probably be the the national champion um without any question you know we've had a couple of times where there's been question who the national champion uh is whether that was in the bcs era or whether that was right now uh in this college football era um but uh, i think i think alabama is gonna be 
guaranteed a, a national championship this year if, as long as they come out and, and do something against Oklahoma in that first game. Well, Damon has guaranteed it. He's doubling down on his pick. <laughs> I, uh, I'll double down on it. I uh, the only the only thing that made me question Alabama's like I I was right there with you 100% Bama. The only thing that made me question it was the way they played against Georgia. And I understand they were missing Tua for was it a half? Was it a little more than a half? Um, yeah, a little bit more than a half, I think. So I think I think Clemson, if Clemson's able to get past Notre Dame, I think that Clemson Alabama game will be a good one. Uh, it it makes me want to lean Clemson, which uh, for the sake of the podcast and being having a difference of opinion, let's do it. Uh, I think I think Clemson's going to win the win the whole thing. I think they've just they've they've proven they can you know hang with anybody, and uh, I'm kind of tired of seeing Alabama win. There's not ever a lot well, of logic to my predictions, so there you go. <laughs> well, here's the here's the thing about Clemson is, and people forget this too, is. Tua is only a, a true sophomore. He's only only 19, 20 years old. But on the other side of the football, offensively for Clemson, their quarterback in Trevor Lawrence is himself only a freshman. That's a, a true freshman playing quarterback for the number two rated team. So you play in a national title game as a true freshman, um, it's not the not the biggest uh, uh, or not the best best scenario to be put in, I guess. Yeah, it, it definitely makes it tough, but as we've seen in the past, it's definitely plausible. So that's going to do it for episode 45 of Out of Timeouts. Thanks again, Damon, for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm, I'm always always willing to come back as long as you'll have me. I was going to say, we're pushing, uh, we're over 40 minutes now. I feel like your uh, return appearance is definitely going to have to happen. But uh, for everybody listening, thanks for listening to episode 45 of Out of Timeouts. I promise I won't take another two months off. I will be back here next week with another episode. And thanks for listening. It's timeouts. Timeouts were also a large part. I have to take a timeout. <laughs>